Greetings and welcome behind the scenes for a little taste of how the frick Finding Jesus was made. That's right. It is another beautiful episode of the Finding Jesus After Show hosted by the Neue State's greatest scholar, David Alat. But before we get to David, it is I, Alexi Toliopoulos, and it is Cameron James joining me to kick things off. Um, it's a pleasure to be here to kick things off. I love to kick things off before we kick back and light up a couple of big old stogies mm -hmm. and just enjoy the after show. And just, we often, like, we record these introductions together over the internet. We sit back, have a stogie, and then we listen to the after show together. Mm. And then we'll come in and do the outro once again. <laughs> so it's a really great experience for us to just sit in each other's company for 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah. So we listen to it in real time mm -hmm. uh, as you're listening to it, which is yeah. crazy to think about. It's just one of those crazy things that's happening out there in the world. And, you know, I'm glad that we finally decided to share that with you. Yeah, it, it was a secret that we thought we would keep till our graves were mm. met with our souls. But we decided, yeah. heck, let's be vulnerable. Tell the guys what we do. Let's tell them. Let's tell them the cat's out of the bag. We sit back while we're in matching silk pajamas. We're lighting up cigars. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. We're drinking keep a some secrets. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's only one set of pajamas. I wear the top. <laughs> Alexi wears the bottom. Yes, Cameron is known as the Winnie the Pooh, and I'm known as the ass. Eel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a hey, this is a great episode. This is my favorite episode of Finding Yeezus. Um, episode four. A lot happened. A lot happens in this episode. It is it's a road trip. We've always wanted to do a road trip movie, and you know, this is maybe the only chance we'll ever get to do it. <laughs> yes, of course. We are of course smoking stogies indoors dangerously in front of silk pajamas. Anything could happen. It could be the last podcast we make as well right now. We could be engulfed in flames any second. That's true. I hope not, though. I really hope not. Me too. I really hope not. Oh, and check this out. Actually, I forgot to tell you this. I got yeah. a message from Nick Lyons this morning from Ballarat what the heck? Nick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So Nick's been watching along with the series as it's been coming mm -hmm. out. And this is the message that I got from, uh, from Nick this morning. It just says, bros, full stop. My phone is blowing up, full stop. <laughs> Fucking classic shit, full stop. I'm loving the series, and apparently so is half of Australia. You dudes did such amazing stuff. Very funny shit. Oh, my God. Nick, my darling. That's so funny. <laughs> That's so he rocks, man. Nick rules. Nick's a hit. Nick's a hit. Buy some of his music. Oh yeah, check out his music. I'll put some I put the link to I mean, we know what his bad camp is, so you, you can you can find it. You know where it is. But I'll put the link to some of his stuff in the show notes as well, so you can click straight on through. Totally. Before we get into our discussion with David and get into some more revelations and secrets of the episode, I want to point the listeners to findingyeezus.com, our official website, where you can catch up with the episodes, you can email us, you can even submit a mystery and have some really good mysteries submitted to us already. Uh, the email address to do that is findingmysteries3030 at gmail.com, but on the website findingyeezus.com, you can click on through, 
and type in a mystery. And I would say the more detailed, the better. There's one or two in there that we've got and that are multiple paragraphs that are really thought out and put together with like little clips and stuff as well that they found online or little pieces of evidence. And when I see those, oh my God, let me tell you, I get a little spring in my step. There's some really good ones there already. So submit your mysteries and you can also pick up some merch. We've got a little cool limited merch drop. We've got some hats. We've got some totes. We've got some stickers. We've got some pins. We've got some posters, some really cool stuff. And it's very, very limited. And we've been pretty quiet on what we've got, just mainly putting it to the podcast peeps because you guys are the real ones. Um, and then basically, we just started pushing it further out into the world now. So pick them up while you can. I'd also say they're selling pretty quick. I got an email today from Haven't You Done Well because I bought a hat to give to my brother. And uh, they said, we're selling We're selling really quick. So it might take a little while to get some of these to you. So I was like, holy crap, they're selling. So yeah, get crap. on it. If you want to get them, get them. I might actually do another shop myself so I don't miss out before we put this episode to live. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the stuff. Um, if you want to submit some questions for the Q&A, you can hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at thisislexi at I'm Cameron James. We'll pass them on to David. You can also follow David on Twitter at the Noi Estate um, mm. if you want to talk to him directly or pick up some Noi stuff as well. He's the keeper of mm. many books in the Noi curriculum that you can study. So uh, there's always some good stuff. There's even some new Noi books since Finding Drago was released. That's true. There's a lot of good stuff there. He's a genius. And you know what? Why don't we kick back, light up these cigars, and let David take the reins. Gamers, dreamers, players. Daylight savings are in effect in Australia. That's right, dawn is breaking. They say the early bird catches the worm, but, well, we ain't catching worms, we're catching lions. We're finding Jesus. We're finding Phoenix. These cats are slippy. I'm David. I'm here in the Noy Safe House, and I'm joined by the aces on the case, Alexi and Cam. Gentlemen, welcome. <laughs> wow. It is Thank a you, pleasure. Man. Oh, well, it's a, it is the warmest of welcomes. Uh, let me begin with, <laughs> if I may, um, a, a pleasantry. How are you doing? God, Very well, question. thank you, sir. That's, that's a really great good question. <laughs> Do you know what? I fucking love doing this podcast with you, man. It really is an absolute joy. It's so fun to get to do this and to hear your bullshit a couple of times a week. (laughs) I'd like to consider myself a master of truth, but I'll take only the positive bits uh, from from that. (laughs) I mean bullshit in the positive term, like the Sydney Ling Ling way, Mm. you know what I mean? Uh Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, you know the drill by now. Uh, you'll hear my own pre-prepared questions. Uh, you'll hear the questions and the comments from the floor, by which I mean the good people of Instagram and Facebook. And then we're going to step into the looking glass and embark on an episode walkthrough. Uh, I'll just update on the mission state status. ATO Lowski took us to a dead end. So the team's now in the wilderness without much of a scent. But Mark Bonanno on location in Darwin caught a heavy sniff in the form of a Facebook message from Nick Lyons of Ballarat. So what we've got in store is a 116-kilometre coming-of-age road trip. My first set of questions, I want to talk, and I know this might not be, um, you know, this might be coming left field, but I want to talk about cinema. Wow. Could you tell me about the cinematic inspiration for this episode? 
and how cinema has influenced your entire creative process? Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great question. And I would say cinema had a huge influence on this episode. Huge. Uh, Huge, huge, absolutely mongus, huge mongus, <laughs> actually huge mongus, actually huge mongus, ginormous, gigantic influence on this episode. I think when we were going into finding Jesus, when we were kind of mapping out the series, very early on, because this kind of adventure led us a bit around Australia, we kind of had this feeling that it would be a road trip vibe. And that was something that we were looking at a lot going into it. So Cameron and I, but I'd say especially Cameron, we're big fans of road movies. They connect mm. with us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, throughout the entirety of our office sequences, there's a poster for maybe the greatest road movie of all time hanging up behind Cameron's head. It's one of his mm-hmm. own. It's a beautiful custom. Is it custom poster for Easy Rider? Absolutely. Bought in San Francisco, the fabulous city on the coast of America. Um, and the home of many hippies. Mm-hmm. And it's a great film. I love that movie. So we kind of looked at a lot of road movies, of uh, you know, National Lampoon's Vacation Saga is something we looked at. Yeah. And then yeah. for me as well, like the films of Vim Vendors, who's known as the king of the road. He made a trilogy of road movies and a few extra along the way, um, including one filmed in Australia called... Until the end of the world, uh, that is like a big influence on me. Um, so that was kind of all in there, and then we just made a dumb version of all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it feels uh, it feels so cinematic, the style, um, and uh, yeah, just a few references there. That there's so many moments in this uh, in this episode where I'm reminded of of of, 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 of moments in cinema. Uh, another thing that I noticed about this episode as well, and 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 perhaps applies to the the whole series, but just this kind of importance of the color palette and the aesthetic when you're telling your story. Um, how much how much consideration do you give to the kind of vision? You know, it's this dual challenge of trying to capture something that is. Um, um, uh, uh, true and organic as it kind of plays out in real time but at the same time it's so kind of stylized how you present the scenes so as a you know as an artisan a fan of the uh, actor's studio and the form I've just got this question about <laughs> how, how do you um, how do you how do you bring those two objectives together? I love that you just referenced the actor's studio. Uh, mm-hmm. I love James Lipton. Big yes. Lipton head. We love Lipton we tea him. over here. We sip from the Lipton mug. <laughs> the beautiful <laughs> with sweet grace tea. grace and with respect. The sweet mm. tea of James Lipton. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's cool because like the office that we have that we work out of in this series is really brightly colored. Like the walls are blue and red and the lights are green and yellow. It's strong primary colors. It kind of implies, you know, like a Nintendo game or something like mm. that, like a like a 8-bit sort of game or an arcade game. And this episode, the driest and dustiest looking episode mm. possibly ever committed to YouTube in the web series form. And I guess that was a deliberate choice to go, well, you know, we're going out, 
We're going on an actual road trip, so let's make this look as different as possible. Let's make it feel like we're on the ground. We're getting our boots dirty, or in my case, my Converse's dirty. And yeah. we're, we're actually like journos on the beat in this episode. We've got GoPros set up all mm-hmm. around the camera where Alexi is operating a camera. It feels handheld. It feels kind of rough and ready like we're going into the war-torn countries to report on some horrific crimes that mm. have taken place. But in actuality, it's just some weird dude in Ballarat. Yeah, and this was an episode where we are just like, everything's happening in real time, and we just want to make it f- really feel like that present tense nature, like that mm. we, well, I mean, we had no choice as well. We wanted it to feel that way, but we also had no choice because, you know, we are out in the field. We've got to capture every little moment as it's freaking happening. It is rough. It is tumble. It mm. is the excitement of documentary filmmaking. I want to throw a word out there that I've heard the Safty brothers say, and I love it so much. I've applied it. I've oh, used this word. It's not a slur. It's not, but they have, there's probably a few rude ones out there that they've said. But they, uh, I love this phrase. They, they describe their cinema as like the hyper now, where it, mm. it feels so incredibly present tense that you can't, look away you're kind of like oh my god this is happening in this instant literally i'm looking this is not a tv i'm looking through a window into adam sandler's life Mm. what the heck and he's got a goatee (laughs) and fake teeth yeah but this is like i think he's real he's real and he's really real (laughs) he's sexy but yeah we i think it's like i love that kind of shit the sort of Mm. thing that feels like oh my god this is this is happening Absolutely. And I think for us it was the opportunity because so much of our documentary work, because it's investigation-based, it's research and then the presentation of research. So when we get the moments to like go, oh, fuck, this is happening this very, 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 very second. It's happening, unfolding right now. You just have to like go with it. And it's so exciting to like get to do that and transform what we do a little bit more. Just Go With It is also an Adam Sandler movie, just yeah. for the record. Another reference, good movie. Nicole mm. Kidman, Australia's own in there. Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of presenting research, it beats any uh, Gantt chart or any other form that I've ever seen. Uh, I, I loved it. And I, 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 I do see what you're saying about the Safdie brothers. It kind of makes you feel part of it and it gives the listener or the viewer skin in the game, which is what it's all about. Yes. We've got a question from one of the fans. Um, and it's a great question from Melanie O'Connor through Facebook. And she says, do we miss Bryce Halliday? Of course. Um, so Bryce, a uh, key, key member of uh, Finding Drago, Finding Desperado. I have visited the shores mm. of Oka Dyke with him, mm-hmm. uh, where we yeah, shared man. that wonderful vista. Um, he uh, came to my wedding and... Um, yes. You know, he brought an awful lot to those series. But um, can we just say a few words about, about Bryce? He did. He, came to, he ended up DJing the wedding because we uh, forgot to book one oh and God. forgot to put a band on. And <laughs> Bryce said, yeah. yeah, yeah, he was on yeah. the decks. We, in fact, it was my sister's wedding and she'd made a similar error. And we just ran the playlist. <laughs> you know, it was exclusively sample oh, library yeah. stuff. Uh, but no, it was so... <laughs> Now, Bryce is responsible for my family's um, mm. uh, the soundtrack to our weddings. 
Wow. Yeah. Bryce well, we fucking we love Bryce. We love he Bryce. Rocks. Bryce rules. It was so much fun working with him on Dragon Desperado. And I'm absolutely sure we will be working with him again mm. in the future. And yes, his presence was missed on this yeah. on this journey. It would have been absolutely. fun to have him in the back seat of the car on the way to mm. Ballarat. Uh, absolutely. That's. I mean, you know, when we were first found this idea, we thought it would be a pod- podcast. Mm. And we did imagine Bryce in that car with us, uh, getting nervous as we're like trying to bust this story down. Um, I love Bryce so much. I think I value his collaboration so much. And he was a very key collaborator to us. And the way that Cameron and I talk about collaboration a lot, especially with Bryce, is having access to a different brain that forms ideas that your brain could never do. And Bryce has a different sensibility to me, different sensibility to Cameron, and different taste to us as well. And so a lot of those podcasts were like a merging of three brains, three tastes, three Hmm. styles, three sensibilities. Minority report style. We would lay in a tank. (laughs) Lay in a tank and hook up our brains and then just hope to God a podcast (laughs) comes out of it. Absolutely. And but I we were say, cursed for seeing crimes of the future. That was a tragic part. <laughs> that, was a, that was one of the things we had to put up with. We, we had to see, see a lot happen. of crimes of the future, unfortunately. <laughs> and well. that's why Bryce was no longer involved. We did see something <laughs> unfold in his We future. can't say what happened, but it's not good. <laughs> it, as far as the circuitry goes, it's at least better than the human centipede. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, a great question. And I think the answer is Thank yes, you, we, we, we miss we yeah. miss Bryce. Yes. We love Bryce um, so much. So we're going on a journey to Ballarat, a um, place I've never been. Uh, before this, have you traveled together before on, a, on, on an extended uh, trip? First question, then actually a couple of sub questions. We did do. We drove down to Melbourne from Sydney mm. for this uh, series, so we'd spent mm. however long that is in the car together, eleven hours basically yeah. in the car together on that <laughs> drive, and we and ate at the highlight. most depressing <laughs> KFC of all yes. time. <laughs> about halfway, <laughs> halfway there, it was a roadside oh KFC, um, yes. And it was well, Cameron. It's not just a roadside grim. KFC. It's a <clears throat> service station with a food court attached, and this food yeah. court has four different stores in it. One of them being a KFC. Directly opposite that is a Subway, and then yep. parallel to mm. those are two warring cafes of both substandard quality. And then in the middle, yep. there's like a commissary style, canteen style bullpen of chairs. And it's truly not like a the, smile like a prison. amongst anyone. It is. It no, everyone looked. Everyone looked like they were trapped in purgatory. It was like mm-hmm. fucking no exit by Sartre <laughs> or something. Like just people wanted to die. No one wanted to be there. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, at the time, Dave, we were going through in this country uh, an iceberg lettuce shortage, <laughs> um, a, a drought of iceberg <laughs> lettuce. And, it's true. It's which true. Is true. And so Alexi ordered a salad from KFC and instead of lettuce in the salad that has had red cabbage. Yeah, and I will say upgrade for me, big upgrade. Bitter red cabbage. cabbage. It was barely a fucking salad, by the way. It was just like a chopped up schnitzel. Yeah, it was popcorn chicken on cabbage. It wasn't a salad. 
It was bizarre. And I would also say we were obsessed with this place. I couldn't get out of my head after we went there. It left an imprint on me, partly because it was in a very beautiful part of Australia. It's like yep. near Goulburn and stuff. It's where the dog in the tucker box is, which mm. is an iconic Australian statue. And it was a beautiful day. Yet, somehow, you're in nature. You're on the side of the road of this country and it's an indoor food court. There's yeah. no there's, there's no, no possibility. There's nowhere to sit <clears throat> down. They're outside. They've just absolutely cornered that off. All there is is a car park and then you're inside the saddest food court. And in the corner of this food court, there was like um, some machines. And one of the machines was like to test how strong you are at um, arm wrestling. There's mm. one that tells you like how sexy you are or something. Yeah. And then the other one is like a very accurate... Uh, weight like uh, scale to to measure your weight. Yeah. I just thought how this would be the greatest tragedy to enter the saddest place I've ever been, yeah. eat the shittest salad, use pay to use that scale to find, find out, out you're clinically obese. Medically obese. Yeah, <laughs> there was also a blood pressure one or a heart rate one as well oh, or something. God. So it's like. You go there, load up on the Colonel or mm-hmm. um, the pedophile Jared's food, and then <laughs> just find out you're about to die. <laughs> it just—it was just a, a, the darkest realm I've ever been to. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's not the first time I've been there. I've been there a few times. <laughs> uh, so who? And I was the- honestly depressed. We didn't go back on the way home. <laughs> so. Uh, of the of the three of you, who's who's the strongest? Who has the highest blood pressure? And who's the sexiest? <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, well, there was only I, two. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I might have all three covered. Unfortunately, yeah, Lexi might be the sexiest. <laughs> I refuse to do that. I don't want to give my money to big <laughs> carnival big machine. Yeah. <laughs> but at least you had the smiling face of Colonel Harlan Sanders just looking over. Who knows what that smile conceals? Possibly a few secrets. His recipe. (laughs) Okay, I've divided the walkthrough into chapters. Speaking of driving, chapter one, The Whip. Uh, Within 60 seconds of the episode, we're in the pit stop. So anyone harboring a need for speed will be more than satisfied. We've got a glistening sports car. Mm. It's a design that's both Mm -hmm. tender and aggressive. Um, and we get a master class mm. in mechanical engineering. Can you tell me about this vehicle? What What is it, and how did it feel to rev it up? This is a Maserati. No, it's a McLaren. Is it a McLaren? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. We, so we, we had a few options, actually. We had our pick of cars, and they were all there. There was a Maserati, a McLaren, and a Ferrari, all available for us to use. Um, the McLaren was the one we went with because it had the butterfly wings, Mm. Uh, it was doors? deemed technically to be the funniest of the cars. <laughs> Look, we wanted to get a sports car to go on this road trip. We thought that would be really cool and really fun. And we couldn't afford it. But we did get a l- to play around in it for a little bit. And we did get to talk to that guy for almost an hour. <laughs> and he yeah. explained every detail about the car. And then we sort of... Like, made fun of him by asking him really annoying, stupid questions about the car that he had to answer seriously. It was fun. It was really fun. I was laughing a lot, and it was very funny. I think the four of us, Mark plus the the guy who's like a car expert, 
we were all having a really fun time laughing with each other, mm. and then it was quite upsetting when we found out we couldn't rent the car. Yeah, we'd wasted his entire morning, basically. It was a a great scene. I I, I thought it was hilarious. I loved I I, I loved the uh, interrogation of the vehicle and its credentials, and then the uh, the mm-hmm. clip to the more modest motor setting off in the distance. I did have a question about: Was there ever, when you turned up, was there ever any prospect of driving off in one of these cars, or was it something that you thought this would make for a for a hilarious gag? <laughs> a bit of both. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of hoping that they would offer to give us mm. one for free for the day um, yes. in exchange for being, you know, getting exposure in this amazing web series on YouTube.com. But uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> well, we'll come to it later, but I think any uh, respectable car manufacturer would be cautious about giving Mark um, any car keys but uh, we'll come to that in a bit. <laughs> the next chapter, I've called it The Divine Wire, in which Mark Bonanno wires up. Alexi, how did your experience in finding Drago help you in rigging up Mark Bonanno with the appropriate tech? Well, firstly, uh, I knew that Mark is of a similar heritage of me, similar uh, genetics, so... I would not be using tape to get the microphone attached to him as I did myself, where I taped the microphone to my chest hair and I had to rip it out. So that was not an option. We had clips that he would be using. Uh, We would pack him secretly. So my expertise did come into play. And to uh, Cameron, we see within this scene quite a formidable briefing of Mark in terms of how we should approach this uh, meeting with, with Nick. Um, how pivotal was that was that briefing uh, and how um, comprehensive was it? Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like Alexi and I were incredibly comprehensive, but I don't think Mark comprehended it. <laughs> I, I think Mark, very <laughs> difficult to control, to contain, to get to focus. Mm-hmm. Mark spent pretty much the entire briefing fucking around. You can see in the episode he farted in the church. That's just <laughs> one of one of several times that he farted in the church. He kept And when tr- he did fart, the place <laughs> got warmer as if we were being watched yeah. by God with a frowning eye. Or by the devil. With a browning eye. <laughs> you know these. Ch- <laughs> I, I mean, you don't need to read a Bible to know you shouldn't fart in a church. Uh, no way. Any, uh, no way. Um, of course, it's covered in the so. Ten Commandments. Everyone knows mm. them. That was the eleventh <laughs> commandment. Lucky that's all it's covered in. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> That also felt very cinematic, that scene. Churches, they're such a place for cinema. There's something about them. Um, Mm. So a couple of questions. Firstly, why why a church? What what was behind the reason of saying, oh, we must do this? Uh, Mark must have this briefing in uh, a house of the Lord. Multiple reasons. One is practicality. It was really close to the location that we were going to and it was a a place that we could just duck in because they're quite often open churches Mm -hmm. you can just duck in and have a take a pew and chill out 
But yeah. uh, the second reason is the more metaphorical one, and that is that this ultimately is a series that is sort of grappling with faith and the ideas of the afterlife and what comes next. And, you know, it's a kind of a visual metaphor to have us standing in a church, you know, grappling with faith while we're also potentially getting ready to unmask mm-hmm. a cult leader. It was, it was just, you know, a nice little image that popped into our heads. Um, and, you know, luckily Ballarat has um, a beautiful church. Beautiful. I, I felt spiritual when I went in there. I felt like I was back in Catholic school getting ready to confess my sins. Uh, I think irrespective of anyone's mm. faith, churches are a bit creepy. Um, I'm, you know, I watched this um, Gregory Peck's on uh, The Omen, the, the terror of that movie and all the church scenes. They're just terrifying, even though, you know, the purpose of these buildings are designed to be, um, uh, they're designed to be like a safe house. But uh, there's some pretty scary stuff all over the walls and there's just weird vibes about them but it was a, a vibe yeah. vibe rich scene i don't think they are designed to be safe i think they're designed to be intimidating i think that's almost the purpose of particularly a roman catholic church mm, is those gargoyles designed to intimidate the lowly peasant such as myself so that we walk into it it's got high ceilings as freaking like all these stations of the cross around the wall showing Jesus in various states of, um, like, torture, essentially. And then behind the altar, there's the big the big one himself. He's nailed up to a cross. It's designed to make you go, oh, fuck, this is huge. This is bigger than me. I am nothing. I need to give these guys a tithing <laughs> oh, every few... I'm a fucking <laughs> asshole. I'm a dirty little... <laughs> dirty little dog and i've got to give these guys a few of my shekels a week so i think we all agree if we were to alter a church in any way we'd kit it out a little bit more plush lower them ceilings get a nice bit of carpet in and maybe a uh, l-shaped couch or something which reminds me i've got a fan question i found this one on youtube uh this is from mindy um well she's interested in finding jesus but she's interested in another mystery as well did Mark Bonanno ever get the couch? God, yeah, people keep asking this. This is how did this become the the main <laughs> question so far that people have got? First of all, it's like, all right, okay, all right. Look, we haven't followed up with Mark yet to find out if he ever bought a couch, but we will say that he does sit on a couch in this episode. So, he a, tries one out. We yeah. all try out a couch. In a way, he he find he finds the couch that he's maybe been looking for his entire life. And when he finds that couch, what does he find? He finds the answer to one of the great mysteries of his life, an answer he never knew he was chasing. So not only does he find couch, when he finds that couch, he finds a piece in his life. Mm, mm-hmm. So it is a hero's journey that he does embark on, on episode one. And then on episode one, his arc is complete. And now Mark Bonanno can venture from this realm unto the next, the world's greatest adventure. Wonderful. Yeah. Sort of beautiful moment. And well done, Mark on achieving. He's been on the hero's journey. He's gone full circle and he's able to add a diamond to that ring. Um, beautiful. And we'll come to that. Right at the end of this interview, we've just got a couple more scenes. The next chapter, Café Ruse. Um, 
I did a bit of my own research on this cafe, uh, Cafe Sidra, and one thing I saw is a delicious homegrown rhubarb, vanilla cream cheese, banana mm-hmm. bread. Now, I'd be saying to Mark, that's what you want to order. If he could go back, that's what he should be ordering. Um, <laughs> so in the scene, you boys are outside whispering in, giving him commands in real time. Uh, how effective was that tech? Did it, did it work for you? No, it was very ineffective. Mark was so uncomfortable with this. It was so fun. I've ne- I don't think I've had more fun on this show mm. than watching Mark squirm as we forced him to ask a waiter about ascensionism and uh, try to interact with some old ladies that were coming in behind him. And um, I just loved it, but he hated it. I think he hated every second of it. <laughs> also, we ended up eating there. We ended up. We had lunch there. It was good. It was really you, good, in fact. Do you remember what you had, Alexi? I think I had a chicken schnitzel sandwich. Yeah. Um, cabbage or lettuce? Uh, unfortunately, we were due, it was during a lettuce shortage in Australia. So, it was cabbage. But to be honest, I do prefer cabbage. So, it was delicious. I think I had a homemade um, meat pie and it was delicious. I can't recommend this place enough. Thank you for letting us film in your location. And thank you for the homemade pie and the chicken schnitzel sandwich. I've... Never before encountered a uh, lettuce shortage, but I am familiar with mm. uh, a water shortage. We've got one at the moment, hosepipe ban. And when you think of the amount Oof. of water in a lettuce, it's a logical um, step. So maybe we've yeah. got one coming. Obviously, yeah. you have water. It's stored in ice. It's in the clouds. And pretty much 75% of the rest of it is in our lettuces um, for the science fans yeah. out there. Um, Thank you so much. Okay. And then, within the scene, probably the most heartbreaking moment of all, Nick Lyons Mm. pulls the plug on the whole endeavour. How did that feel? You don't see this really in the episode, but Mark was texting him quite a bit. And by this stage, Mark has basically said, hey, um, my friends Cameron and Alexi are with us. They're making a documentary. And he's kind of, you know, explained a little bit of what's about to happen to him. And... He's, you know, he's like umming and ahhing about whether he wants to be a part of it. And then very quickly, uh, as you see, he calls Mark and he kind of like changed his tune entirely. And he was just like, yeah, definitely come over. Yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to be a part mm. of it sort of thing. Um, yeah, it was exciting. It was like a real roller coaster moment for us to go. Yeah, this has gone from it's on to it's off to now we have full consent to film in this guy's house. It was very exciting. The, the, the final chapter, the lion's den and, and, and the cl- and closure for Mark. So we see Nick bearded, shaded mm. and cradling that beautiful hound. You fellas are squashed up in the sofa, lovely sofa, mm-hmm. uh, protected only really by each other's warmth. Um, and um, Nick essentially tells us that he's not really had anything to do with the cult, albeit it's been in his interest to kind of... Uh, uh, enjoy the enjoy the connection. Mm. Um, so I think my only questions on on this moment is I want you to just run me through your first impressions of Nick, and then your sort of parting impressions of Nick uh, when 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 you left. Well, when we first entered his realm, he was quite nervous. You know, it was like a we were nervous to meet him because it, it felt like everything we've done had led up to this point. And he had this dog, and the do- also, you know, like we said, it was rain season, it had rained a lot, so there was a lot of mud everywhere. As soon as we entered his yard, and we didn't capture this on film, the dog 
charged at me and jumped on me and covered me in mud. I was covered in mud by this dog, but thankfully I had my backup shirt and jackets just in case. And I had to go get changed because we couldn't, I didn't, we didn't get the dog jumping on me. So I had to change so it wouldn't look insane that I'm just covered in mud for the last half of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Um, I, I, Alexi, I don't know if this is talking out of school, but you, you sometimes can get a little bit nervous around dogs. Yes, it's and, true. Uh, I admit to it. I'm afraid of creatures sometimes. There's a bit afraid of them. I, I uh, fear no creature that walks on this earth, mm-hmm. um, except for one, David Alat. That's the one creature that I'm afraid of. <laughs> you never know what this beast. Well, do. it's a combination of strength, <laughs> uh, cunning, and probably the mm. most vital of all skills: reflex. Um, so I think yeah. your uh, fears are well placed. In, in, in a objective sense, but you need not fear because I am peace-loving and I'm especially peace-loving towards you, you guys. So, um, wow. the, you know, churches Thank might not you. be, but this is, a, this is a safe, safe space. But uh, Alexi was shitting himself, I would say. Alexi was like, <laughs> there's this dog, this pit, yeah. what well, was like a Rottweiler and it's, um, Something. you know, first of all, it jumped up all over him and... Um, you know, you, you. I was watching this happen and thinking, I would know how to handle this situation. But, but you, it covered you in mud. And then when we got inside and sat down on the lounge, this thing, it was like a cute, it was a little puppy. It was essentially like mm. a eight week old Rottweiler or something like that. So That's it was sweet. very energetic, very sweet. All it wanted to do was play, but Rottweilers um, expressed that by Basically, just being little psychopaths mm. and it's lunging rough. at it's you. Too, it was too rough for me. I'm, you know, I'm sensitive. I'm You're an only scared. child. I didn't even have brothers that could roughhouse with me. Uh, whereas I have two brothers, and I grew up with dogs. So this is my this is my comfort zone. Being in a disgusting garage with a bunch of boys and a wild animal. Come on, that's a fucking Wednesday in my life. Great that you were there, Cameron, just to oversee things. Because, of course, this is nature. These little pups love nothing more than biting, making a mess. That's their way of showing love. Um, So although it looked like a pretty grubby setup, there's a lot of love in there. Um, One thing I noticed about Nick, his demeanor was just sort of so laid back um, and... (laughs) Uh, you know, it's interesting seeing some of the some of the other people you've interviewed that have kind of um, crafted little spells and taken you on little journeys, and just Nick delivers such mm. a wonderful deadpan. Um, you know, <laughs> no messing around. Just, 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 just talk me through this interview. Tell me more about Nick. Oh, this was so much fun because I think it's something that we've kind of. It's something that kind of lurks around us a lot in kind of doing these style shows and you would know this from being on that side of the interview as well David is like the amount that you can kind of control the sense of play and Nick just was playful with us from the start like he set us up going like you know set up this cloud of darkness going like yeah I am involved and like oh shit and then he just reveals all and he's just mucking around with us. He's riffing, like he's up to the mm, task. And I think mm. it's because he is like, you know, he's a musician, he's a performer. Mm. He has like a character, he has some kind of persona around him. And so he just was like so much fun and so generous with how playful he was. 
with getting into the vibe that we are doing with what we do and riffing with us. But then also he kind of created his own vibe. Like he created this spookiness around him. And I think like, you know, his house looked a lot nicer. So I think he chose like he his did. garage to like, set us off. He told us it's afterwards. Like- <laughs> I, I was yeah. t- talking to him afterwards. We started texting and he was like, hey, uh, um, you know, I actually spent like an hour messing my house up to make it look like a hovel. <laughs> To make it look ugly and disgusting so that when you came in, it was a weird... And He did like what a church does. Like he made it an intimidating space, basically. So that's why he took so long to get back to us when we were driving around Ballarat. It's like he was fucking his house up to make it disgusting for us. It was great. He's a showman. A true showman. Yeah. The greatest showman. He, he certainly is. Uh, I, I mean, it was it was another cinematic moment. It reminded it could have been a Coen Brothers. In fact, I would have happily cast Nick in uh, No Country for Old Men as their oh, as, yeah. as their lead. Is it, it, it wow. really was effective? And also, Cameron, in the time since we've filmed that and we've been showing the series on YouTube, and mm. Nick is revealed to be a suspect of ours. People have been reaching out to us saying they know Nick in real life and it was one of the shocks of their life to see him pop up in this as a suspect. Someone in particular reached out to you, Cameron. Yeah. Um, First saw this as a comment on YouTube. Somebody commented, that's my stepdad. And uh, I was like, what? And then they contacted me on Instagram and said, yeah, Nick is my stepdad. When I was... He was, uh, you know, dating my mother essentially while I was a child and he was there for a lot of my major milestones. And then she just sent me a bunch of photos of her and Nick at her like teenage, in her teenage years, like at her 21st birthday, at her school graduation. And she was saying all these lovely things about how he was such a great role model in her Mm. life and he would like teach her about music and stuff when she was in high school and got her into some really cool weird bands and stuff i couldn't believe it i'm like wow like this is a real person you know like it's it's really sweet man yeah really like paints a full picture of him as like just this yeah sweet lovely funny fucking weirdo that's awesome such a great dude finally then let's call this chapter the notebook what a lovely moment after all these years what i thought was a joke funny without a punchline um receives its punchline the crowning glory um we have mark banano showing i imagine a, a, a joy that's usually reserved for seeing one's um child or or mm. um, receiving a, a, a the highest honor he's just got such a such a glow about him to find out that the punchline to his long awaited joke was um uh bukakis did you did, did you see that one coming? Had you considered potential punchlines as kind of a genetically gifted comedians? Honestly, no. And it was so close to us not even asking him about the joke. It was mm. just like at the very end when we were scheduled to like get back on the road to get back home in time. I just remembered, oh shit, the joke. We should ask him if he remembers that day of like telling Mark the joke because it was such a fun moment when we first interviewed Mark we should ask him about it and when we got that revelation that there was a conclusion to that joke that there was a punchline 
we were just like, holy shit, there's an arc. There's an entire arc to Mark's life in this episode. Yeah. God, that was so fun. It was so unexpected and Nick was so funny and Mark's reaction was so funny. When I, when that happened, I remember just thinking, well, there you go. That's just... that's. That's a conclusion. We could almost end the season here. Like if <laughs> yeah. if if we never find Phoenix, maybe that's okay. Like we've ended by concluding a mystery to an Auntie Donna sketch that we never knew existed. You know, it was so fun. Absolutely, this is why I'm so excited about about, about the ultimate re- reveal that's in store because indeed that could well have been a, a very satisfying ending to a to another long-standing mystery. Um, mm. So that brings us to the end of the episode. In many ways, disappointing for the mystery in that um, more people off the list. We've now got Valerie off the list. We've got A.T. Orlowski off the list and Ballarat Nick, although mm. he was incredibly entertaining uh, and, and, and seemed like mm. an absolute legend. He's off the list. Um, but, you know, we'll keep our peckers up and, 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 and keep on pushing to find the answers. Um, stay tuned for episode five. And that's that. That is the after show for episode four of Finding Geezers. As I said at the start, my favorite one. My favorite mm-hmm. one so far. I think five and six are going to be hectic. And guess what? They come out next week. Mm-hmm. Both we are of doing them. a double drop next week. Yeah, because it's it's one of those things where it starts to feel cruel Mm-hmm. making people wait especially episode five and six link into each other mm. in a pretty far out way and it would be mm. kind of insane to make people wait seven days <laughs> for it so um yeah. we're gonna do uh episode five on the monday regular scheduled time mm-hmm. and then episode six on the tuesday the um, very next the day. very next day so you'll be getting both episodes back-to-back, basically, and you can slam them down fast. Mm -hmm. Solo start, even though it's a duo, it's a double. (laughs) Yes, and then we can start talking about it because it'll be out there Mm -hmm. now. All the mysteries will be revealed, and we can stop playing so freaking coy over here. Absolutely, but I would just also like to say thank you to all the listeners and viewers. Um, It's been so nice seeing all the messages and how much people have been sharing it and uh, really getting deeply involved and excited. And the support just means so much to us. This has been the biggest project we've gotten to make together. And I hope that it means we get to do more bigger, crazier, better finding style mysteries and documentary stuff in the future. And your support has really made that quite possible. So... Mm. Thank you so much, and please keep sharing it. And if you haven't shared it, get with the freaking program, honey. Get with the start sharing it out. Be the cool trendsetter in your group. It's the nineties, guys. (laughs) (laughs) It's the freaking nineties. You got to do it. It's not the sixties anymore. Okay, (laughs) please start sharing things on social media. Talk about them in your town square with people. Share with your brothers, your sisters, your mums and daddies. Heck, even your aunts and uncles, cousins, if you will, second, third, fourth, twice removed, whoever you've got. Let them know about the gospel of ascensionism via findingjesus.com, the website that we have. Um, what else do we need to say? Thank you. This is so cool. The next two episodes are going to be out next week. The after shows will come out after those, probably the day and day after. So you can suck everything up and get with what is going on behind the scenes as well. And then Total Reboot, the podcast that we've got now, will be doing some cool little things. But 
we are moving on into a new realm of podcasting in the new future. The same feed, pop culture stuff, what you already love. But I'm just going to say it's going to be bigger and better, way more fun, and mm. kind of, uh, I would say, more in line with what we're doing with finding stuff. It's going to be all about discovery, curiosity, inspiring curiosity in the listeners, and kind of you know digging deeper into the weirdness and wild world of popular culture and culture. It is not always popular, just culture in general. You know, like you sometimes find- a shit painting that no one gives a fuck about. You have a real skill of finding the natural end to a sentence and then mm. avoiding it at all costs. <laughs> yes, it is really natural. It comes really natural for me to do that. I don't know. I, I don't know how to stop doing that. Oh, well, you're wonderful and I wouldn't change a single thing about you. Wow. That's the support that I need to hear from my dearest mate. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Talk to you later.